How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman? Craft Beer Radio, episode 384, on June 18th, 2016. Grow up to be a hero and a scholar. The ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot to Craft Beer Radio. This is from the Hamilton soundtrack. It's real good. It's really good. Uh, we talk about a little bit of the pre-show. Uh, definitely recommend uh, Hamilton. Very, very good. If you're a Amazon Prime member, it's free on Prime Music. You can just go listen to the boat two CD set, no commercials. Recommend right, stop shilling. Let's go to the beer. That wasn't going to make me any money. No, but still. I'm just saying it's an added bonus. And this is a beer show. We have in front of us six beers. Uh, these beers uh, are all tonight. They have fruit integrated in some way. Every last one of them. We've been talking a little bit uh, about this, um, about fruit being used in beers much better than it ever has been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in our history, we've seen bad fruit and we've seen now a lot of good uses of fruit. And so hopefully we'll get a lot of good examples in this episode. Right. Let's start with the uh, terrapin here. All right. Terrapin vapricot. So obviously, I think apricot is being used here. I haven't quite looked it up yet. Here's the information. 9.05% alcohol by volume. Oh. Okay. I thought, this be, I thought this would be one of the lighter ones. I guess <laughs> I should have done a little homework. Uh, 70 IBUs. Uh, they use apricot puree and unfiltered ginger juice as adjuncts. The malts that are used are two-row pale honey malt, karistan, and kiln amber. It's a new one on me. Hops. Uh, CTZ ADHA 529 Simcoe, uh, CTZ, so that's your mm-hmm. Columbus, you know, ADHA 529, not sure what that is, Simcoe Eldorado Equinox, and they dry hop with Equinox, Eldorado, and Citra. Uh, based on those, I expect this to be a little bit, you know, tropical in that range yeah. with more, but sort of apricot in that area. Did you say ginger at all? This yes, is, unfiltered okay. ginger right. juice. Yeah. Okay. And this is a collaboration with Cigar City. Wow. All right. Oh, okay. So the color of this is a... What would you call that? A golden orange, sort of? Brass. Brass, okay. Very hazy. Actually, mine's very clear. I think we should probably do a little blendy blend. All right. Blendy blend those two together, yeah. Just different beer in the glasses. Bottle stratification strikes us once again. As soon as yours was, was clear, you poured yours first, probably. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So now we're both equally hazy. We're getting a lot of malt, which, I mean, at 9%, kind of what I would expect. Mm-hmm. The the yeast from the haziness yeah. kind of um, toned down the beer. The one mm-hmm. I was smelling before I blended it was a lot more brighter. There was uh, The ginger was really bright, and then there was a lot of hop nose. Now with the yeast in there... It, it's kind of more muddled. Um, you can smell. You can smell um, the ginger still mm-hmm. a little bit of the hops, but it was a lot brighter before. So I should have. I guess a tip for you, if you find some vapor caught, is mm-hmm. to decant carefully and try to get the clear beer. At least it smells a lot brighter when you do that. I mean, I'm getting honey and ginger and. 
Not really getting apricot, though. Not the aroma. Yeah, not so much in the aroma. Flavor. Uh, there's a fair amount of malt there. Kind of a, a, like a cookie, almost. Like a, like a snickerdoodle. Yeah, I guess a snickerdoodle. Sugar cookie with a little bit of... Yeah, sugar cookie. I was thinking of almost like... Um, the you know like a a sandwich you know um not not an oreo but you know sandwich cookie with like the vanilla crackers oh, oh animal crackers that's kind of flavor oh I'm okay getting. yeah 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 I, I can see that and then you get the ginger ginger gives you a lot of spice on your throat too like mm-hmm. on the back of your tongue and your throat the ginger's really digging in kind of like a ginger ale it doesn't have that much flavor to it. It's there a little bit, but it doesn't taste like a ginger ale, but it feels like it to me. Okay, I see what you're saying. I mean, the, to me, the ginger, I mean, the flavor of the ginger is apparent, but it's not, it's not overwhelming. Right. Uh, I happen to like ginger a lot. Right. But uh, I'm getting that spiciness, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. like when you drink like a mixer ginger ale, like mm. the Jamaican stuff from Nature mm-hmm. and a Bottling here in Pittsburgh. You know, it really leaves a zing on the back of your throat. I'm getting that. The, the hops then come through, I think. They're... Um, Kind of more earthy, the way the blend's coming through, you know. Um, I think Warrior's kind of like what I'm feeling here. You know, it's... Um, I think Simcoe's a Warrior derivative, right? Yeah, I believe so. But, you know, I'm feeling something that's not too sulfury. It's kind of... I'm trying to think of how I want to describe it. And it's probably going to change as I go, but that's really, you know, the first sip, that's kind of the notes that I really The weird thing up. is, if I were tasting this blind, I would never said apricot. Yeah, yeah, the uh, it really doesn't stand out too, too much. I mean, you might pick up some sort of some some hop in that direction, right? But I, I never I, think it was true. Yeah, yeah. And if if I really go deep, I can sort of and think apricot. I can kind of taste it on the margins, um, because I think I think like more like a dried apricot, okay. and you get some of the aftertaste of that, and you apply that here, and you can pick that up but without looking for it i would never have found it yeah the ginger is really the main note here as i drink it the the malt is coming through it's more than just animal crackers now it's it's something that's a little more um kind of like bread pudding a little bit yeah yeah very very malt forward and the hops are, are, you know, playing a part, but they're they're just a harmony right now. They're 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 just being supporting members of this cast. The sip I, I took a sip that was a little bit more of a gulp than a sip, and the hops really came through boldly. Okay, and they felt like they were really complementing the ginger really well. They were kind of like cradling the ginger, and so I was getting something okay. that was a little more, um, a little more. Um, pithy like a tangerine pith or something like that i was getting um something a little more floral too um yeah i i can see that so something to be noticed because we typically do the show in sips and yeah and, and analysis like that sometimes beers aren't meant for that type well, of analysis. sometimes you just pull it across your yeah. tongue a different way and mm-hmm. you get something else and when i took that bigger gulp it brought the hops out a lot uh actually i <laughs> I almost feel like I want to say, like, I don't know. It's like one of those things I don't know whether I know well enough, but then my like my subconscious is saying, say it, say it. And that's kind of like banana blossoms. Like I'm kind of getting like a, a floral type flavor like that. 
Strangely, I'm getting a little bit of a tobacco-y aftertaste. Okay, well, that's the vape. That's the vape juice <laughs> they put in here. This uh, is the Vapricot from yeah, I, Terrapin. I, I th- there's there's a almost smoky component that's coming through, and maybe that's what I'm detecting is sort of tobacco-y. Um, so where would that smokiness be coming from? I, maybe it's a kiln amber, because I'm not familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, it could be. Kiln amber. If that is smoked, a soft roasted malt with a light biscuit taste. Mm, so probably not. Yeah. The, now the sip that I just got was really interesting because it reminded me kind of like um, like a a mulled wine or a wassail or something like that. I was getting along with the ginger. I was got some cinnamon. I got mm. some nutmeg. I got um, maybe that's where I got some of the apricot. I got some fruitiness, you know, and it wasn't quite apple. So I got this like kind of like. Almost tastes like a Christmas beer, like spicing on it. Uh, this is a kind of spice beer. If, if if this were what spice beers tasted like, then I would be perfectly happy with having mm-hmm. them all the time. Uh, normally, they are just kind of overwhelming spice bombs, or at least the ones that we are used to typically seeing. Yeah, that's what I'm tasting now. Is I'm tasting like maybe my tongue's kind of short circuited on the ginger, mm-hmm. but I'm tasting all these derivative spices that you know kind of usually come along with ginger in interesting holiday it's spicing. A, I can see that. It's exciting, if nothing else, your memory of other flavors, mm-hmm. and, and that yeah. is bringing those out to the, to the fold. Yeah, I think this is enjoyable. Uh, good drinker. Really good drinker. Mm-hmm. And at 9%, it hides <laughs> it well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you couldn't taste the booze at all in there, really. It would have been neat if the apricot was a little less elusive, you know, more apparent. Mm-hmm. But then again... I might have, you know, if it tasted like, you know, fake apricot, then I'd be saying there's too much apricot in here. So let's go with the other apricot. All right. Uh, and it also may be related in some sense that that was <laughs> apricot. This is El Cabong from Duclaw Brewing in Maryland. Uh, 6% alcohol by volume, so we dropped it considerably. 40 IBU. They call it an, oh, okay, apricot chili ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use Galena and Mosaic hops. Awesome. Grains, pale crystal, carafoam, and rye. They also use torrified wheat. And apricot and uh, some sort of chili. Ancho chili. Arbol and anchos. Dried. I guess they, they would definitely be dried because arbol and anchos are... Like an ancho is a, is a dry poblano. And an arbo is something else. <laughs> But be warned, it's like a guitar upside your head. That's what they say. Okay, so the this is a more reddish color. Mm-hmm. And it's more clear. I can see my finger through it. I can't yep. quite make out my freckle. It's pretty clear, yep. The aroma... The peppers are in there, and the apricots are in there. You kind of smell this kind of, um, you know, it, like kind of, it reminds me kind of like um, apricot salsa or something like that, right? Because you're, you know, you get the spicy pepperness, you get the, the fruit yep, pulp yep. in there, and, you know, I've had salsas where it's tomato, apricots, peppers, things like that, and that's kind of what it reminds me yeah, of. Yeah, the um, apricot can as, as can add a nice kind of other fruitiness Mm-hmm. to a salsa so it definitely works mango can be used in salsa mm-hmm. as well similar right 
They definitely smell the chili too. It's sort of it's it's kind of around it. It's 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 sort of surrounding the smell as this mm-hmm. kind of chili prickliness. Kind of has a, a powdery smell, mm-hmm. like uh, like not so much like chili powder, but like if you ever have um, like truffles dusted in chili, it kind of has that smell type thing, where it's kind of the powdery, you know, chili on top of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the chocolate note's going to play into the flavor or not, but for some reason it took me to these like chili dusted truffles for some reason in the aroma. That first taste uh, made me smile. Um, no, it does have kind of cocoa flavor to it. It's 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 pretty unique in terms of yeah, it's giving you apricot. Doesn't taste mm-hmm. like apricot juice. Doesn't taste like apricot concentrate. But there's apricot in there, balanced with the malt. It's not like uh, what should we call it? Um, what's that apricot beer? Magic Nat number nine. Mm. Um, and the chili is there. This is very. I, I had this beer on draft a couple weeks ago. At double wide, it was not nearly this good. It was not peppery. Mm-hmm. Like you could taste the pepper, but it wasn't spicy at all. Right. This has a nice spice to it. The apricots were kind of eh. This is a lot better than the draft I had at double wide. Interesting. Yeah, this, this is very bright with its apricot flavor, without it totally dominating. Um, there's a nice malt backbone there. The the spice is apparent. It's not habanero sculpin, but this is not a very tinyly spiced beer. If you don't like spicy things at all, you probably won't like this. This is yeah. this is apparent. this one. The, the spice you know tingles your throat for mm-hmm. a minute after mm-hmm. you drink it. Not necessarily hot, but there's a tingle back there. Uh, some people would call it hot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like you and I are a little bit more desensitized to it, but definitely there were people who would call this very, very hot. So, like I said, not habanero sculpin hot, but right. hot. Um, but I, I, like I said, it brought a smile to my face. I'd never tasted anything like that before. Not quite like this. The malts are kind of um, cocoa cherry, right? It reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of like a winter solstice type malt mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Anderson Valley, that kind of blend. And. Going in with the the apricots and the peppers, it's a really good malt combination. Yeah. Well, think, remember the malt uh, bill is very interesting. Pale crystal carafum, so those are mm-hmm. all stuff you kind of expect. Rye malts, so they're using some rye in there. It probably adds a little bit of a of a hook. To, I think that that probably adds a little kind of a buckwheat kind of thing that the apricot mm-hmm. can latch onto, and then right. torrified wheat as well. Probably uh, adds to the body of the beer. This is, this is so much better than the draft. This is good. I'm enjoying this a lot. This is the Okabong from Duclaw. Well, what do you know? Yeah. That's, um... Ah, uh, that's... I'm very, very pleased because I, I don't taste unique stuff on here as often as, I, as you right. might think. Uh, and, and think of, you know... Years and years ago, yeah, chili apricot beer, we'd be like, Oh god, <laughs> oh no, oh god, what kind of a train wreck is this <laughs> going to be getting ourselves into? Yeah, it's funny, we have you know six fruit beers in the show, and, and that was not a thought that crossed my mind is what are we getting ourselves into? Not at all. Where six years ago, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, brewers have definitely learned how to use fruit mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, where fruit was kind of a 
uh, cover up, uh, an escape. It was, yeah, it was a way to um, either or, or, or a marketing or thing. to market to people who yeah. don't like beer. Right. Speaking of beer things, uh, Mitch Steele is leaving Stone to start a brewery. Yes. That'll be interesting. I that mean, he wrote the book on IPAs, literally. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't pass that one up. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Uh, you know, it's just really interesting. You know, he's been at Stone for um, almost 20 years, I think. Real close to 20 mm-hmm. years. This is really good. And yeah, he oh, see, definitely people has... Move, people move on. I know, he definitely has his DNA in the brewery, yeah. but, you know, this is his opportunity to run, you know, start his own brewery. He has his DNA in the brewery, literally? I hope go In the brewery, sure. Forensic Steam will find his DNA <laughs> all over the place. Probably, um, is it, Hopefully not too much in the beer. <laughs> right. That that's really what you're worried about. We're we're talking about how I I remembered something that I was going to bring up and I forgot, but I just brought it back. We're talking about how brewers have learned how to use fruit as as mm-hmm. already we're, we're seeing, and we just talked about just before that uh, spice beers, okay. which brewers are not yet have not yet learned how to do right. Okay, right? I mean. They're overdoing it in the same way they may have been overdoing fruit beers. I don't early. know. I don't know. I mean, there's always there's still bad fruit beers. There's still bad sure, spice beers. But are there are there many? How many good spice beers are there? Hmm, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that. I don't want to waste time right now. Yeah. You know, stopping the show to think about it. I can just kind of think of the ones that I like, right? Yeah, and. uh they're, they're kind of few and far between, if you ask me. So we'll see if that becomes something that brewers get better at, or, mm-hmm. if, or if I'm just wrong, which could be the case. So apricots out of the way. What say we move on to Mangos? a melon? Oh, you want to do melons? Well, we okay. might as well get the goes yeah. out of the way. Yeah, let's get this damn goes <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> the other things are I, I expect are going to be uh, stronger, so I, I don't want to... We already had two... Relatively strong flavored beers. Mm-hmm. Let's get the Goza in. Or we might can do the Goza good... after the Rosetta. I mean, <laughs> no, this might be a good aperitif with yeah. the tartness in it. So this is from Anderson Valley. Briny Melon Goza. A 4.2% alcohol volume. Ah, I'd love to see that. Nailed it. <laughs> from Nailed 9 it. to 6 to 4.2. And if you're going to do a Goza, you know. Yeah. Don't go nuts. Uh... Malts are pale churro and malted white wheat, Bravo hops, just basically bittering, uh, and they use uh, subtle. They say subtle watermelon flavors. I imagine they put some watermelon in there, and of course salt, maybe coriander. The aroma doesn't smell too sour. It smells big on wheat. You know, you're getting a big, kind of grainy. Or, you know, like a grain mill type aroma. It almost smells to me like uh, like unmalted grain. Like in the aroma. Like either unmalted wheat or unmalted um, barley. Where it seems like hmm. it's a little more starchy in the aroma. Interesting. Than, you know, like bready or something like that. You get that at all? Like where it's like a little more steely or starchy. Hmm. or 
I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, again, I'm looking at the malts right here, and right. just pale Turo and malted white wheat, so right. not unmalted. But yeah, I'm not talking about ingredients. Yeah. Just kind of impression. Just impression. Yeah. So, but I'm wondering if, if seeing that mm. is influencing my impression right. any. And then as I smell it deeper, you can kind of get something that's a watermelony. It's like the the very center where you have the deepest red flesh. It it doesn't smell artificial like a Jolly Ranch or anything, yeah. but it, it's like the concentrated part in the deepest red flesh. Like cut your water, like basically core your watermelon so it's like only like a quarter of the middle and leave like everything that's starting to get a little bit lighter out of the mix. And there's just a, a slightest kind of impression. They say they use sea salt, uh, the slightest impression is seawater, right? A, a sort of salty, okay. salty thing coming up. Nice salt. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Um, saltier than I might have expected, at least on the initial taste. Um, big, uh, big watermelon hit up front that kind of fades. Um, I think that's the salt helping that watermelon mm-hmm. come through because there's not a whole lot of watermelon in there. It's just the salt and the initial flavor. Like if you ever have watermelon, watermelon is not exactly a very powerful flavor. If you salt your mm-hmm. watermelon, you'll be right. able to taste it more. I think that's the impression that we're getting with this goza as right. well. And there's, it's a pretty tart one, too. It's tarter than mm-hmm. a lot of gozas that we've had lately. Uh, not too tart, but I'm enjoying the amount of bite that it mm-hmm. gives you. And it goes very well with the kind of the watermelon flavor that's in there. Yeah, which, again, is it, it's pretty subtle. I mean, this could you could do this goza without the watermelon. It would work still. I think that it's kind of a subtle accent. Mm-hmm. And I think it it works, right? It, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. extra. It's not super, superfluous. I think it, it's well ingrained into the beer. I think mm-hmm. that this briny melon goes a, is a well-put-together beer so for sure. Yeah. That's a good use of fruit. Watermelon Dorado, anyone? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so we, we put some uh, stuff up on on our little Slack channel to, to talk mm-hmm. about subjects that we want to talk about. One of the things that uh, was released was Zymergy's oh. 2016 Best Beers in America results. We had a little discussion. I'm not sure how it ended. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I yeah. understood what you're... Right, right. I was kind of twisting it back on, uh, twisting it around a little bit. Yeah. So this... So your first comment was about... So let's... Talk about the list first of all. So homebrewers voted on their favorite. Homebrewers are people what, that get people get Zymergy magazine, right? Which are, are members of the Homebrewers yeah. Association. Well, if you're an AHA member, you get Zymergy, right? But you can also, I suppose, you can subscribe to it by being an AHA member. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so AHA members uh, vote. They they vote on their favorite commercial beers. Should be noted, commercial beers. Uh, and what? you got was a list of exactly what you might expect, which is just like 40 IPAs and, and, and a couple Imperial Stouts along the way. Uh, and a La Folie at the end. Actually, look where Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is. It's like 18. It's like surprisingly high on the list. I see Celebration. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is on there, isn't it? Oh yeah, 13. 13. 13. I was looking in the wrong place. Wow, okay. So yeah, start. Maybe that changes your opinion a lot. 
Because, I mean, that I wasn't expecting to see no, that on the list. No. Uh, <laughs> One outlier doesn't change your opinion. Well, the, that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is that high? I like the beer, but does it, does it deserve to be number 13 best beer in America? Of course not. In no way does Sierra Nevada Pale Ale deserve to be number 13 best beer in America. Right. By any scale. Um, number one, like Russian River, Planet of the Elder. Um a whale bro, right? I, but not any way more, a very innovative IPA today. Right. Uh, number two, Bell's Two Hearted. I think it's a great beer. It's, it, it's one of the beers that I, I like having around, but number two beer in America? Yeah, yeah. It's not... It has pedigree. It's, yeah. Like, if it's, like, historically best beers in America, sure, it can be on there, but, like... In 2016, yeah. the most interesting yeah. best beers you found. Yeah, I don't see how that's. And then you know, Hetty Topper. Okay, I get it. There's a lot of you know fuss around Hetty Topper. Uh, Sculpin. Hey, Sculpin. I can't. I can't deny Sculpin's a good beer. Uh, Grapefruit Sculpin at number five. Interesting to me. Uh, Founders Breakfast Stout. Which I mean, come on, guys. Enough with like. Yeah. Okay. Breakfast Stout is interesting, but there's so many much better variations on that at mm-hmm. this point. Um, Three Floyd Zombie Dust. Again, it, it's sort of with Pliny, right? It's in that sort of heady topper thing yeah, that I mean, elevates it. Um, Bell's Hop Slam. Uh, I had one this year. It was pretty good. but so the, the, yeah. Like the best beer so far is number nine, Goose Island Bourbon County. That's a fantastic beer, mm-hmm. right? That would be in my top 20, I think. Um, that would probably be up there. Right. Sure, uh, but that's the first one that would like maybe hit there. Maybe maybe Hetty Topper might. I don't know. Uh, Habanero Sculpin would be, but <laughs> but that's a different aspect. Uh, basically, it's IPA, 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 IPA. Uh, Out of that list so far, uh, yeah, about the Bourbon County, you're probably right. Grapefruit Sculpin, I like that beer. I think that one yeah, is yeah, pretty high. That's fine. Yeah. Deschutes Fresh Squeeze, Stone and Joy by Founders Kentucky Breakfast Out. Wales Bro, the Kentucky Breakfast is... Yeah, number... Kentucky Breakfast is tw- is 12. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't want to come off as... I, I guess I am in some sense coming off as, oh, you know, look at me, hoity-toity uh, beer guy. But I just think there are, there are... There's so much more out there than just IPAs and right. and the various whale stouts. You can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're drinking a Goza. How come there's, there's not a Goza on the list? There's not a wheat beer on the list? There's no lagers on the list. Not one. I think part of it, you know, is it's cumulative votes from a nationwide sure. audience. So you have to, the beers have to be either cult or right. nationally available. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what the beers are. They're either cult or they're nationally available. So there's no small market beers that aren't cult on there. And the first really interesting one is probably number 19. Uh, Boulevard Tank 7 Farmhouse. Okay. Yeah. So there you know, there you get a, a Saison kind of thrown in the mix. A, a kind of multi-Saison with a lot of extra stuff going on there, but still. Mm-hmm. Something different. Um, Edmund Fitzgerald made the list down towards the bottom. Yeah, right? Edmund Fitzgerald did, which, you know, I can see. But again, uh, it might... Edmund Fitzgerald would probably be my top 50. Yeah, it's it. It also has. I mean, this list looks like it's a bunch of old guys voting on beers they remember. Yeah, that too, right? Yeah, 
<laughs> there's not a lot of there's really not much in the way of new stuff on here, um, as evidenced by Pliny the Elder being number one. It, it's a little disheartening. You mentioned uh, your one first comment was about um, kind of a rebut about me and trend chasing or something like well, that. I, said, right? I still think modern craft beer slash non sellout sellout in quotes because right. I don't like the term non sellout breweries aren't trend chasers when everything on there is an IPA. It, it, it's kind of a Right. I mean, my reply to that was, if you look at this list, and it kind of goes back yeah. to where it's a bunch of old mm-hmm. people voting for beers they know, these are mostly trendsetters. Your reply was, your reply was right on point. Yeah, like, I, had, are... I had no I had no recourse yeah. to that reply. And, and that was, these are trendsetters, yeah. not trend chasers, except for maybe right. one or two exceptions. Yeah. Um, the trend chasers are the ones trying to cash in on the market that these beers created. Right. That, that's, that's true. But a lot of these are trendsetters in various degree of IPA. Well, sure. IPAs yeah. always, for the 10 years we've been doing this show, IPA has been the most popular stuff. That's true. And beer. when we get beers from from a place, there's always an IPA there. And so we always get tons of IPAs that we have to parcel out. Right. No, IPA is the, it's the superstar of craft beer. It's the, the yeah. poster boy. First. Yeah. It's, it's a spicy tuna roll. So you say, you know, so, so I said, yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely right. What I said, sure. But what I meant is you're absolutely right. These are all translators for the most part. Where's the Goza? Where's the lager? Any sure. lager. What about a wheat beer? And you said, I didn't understand your response. I was, that's true. I was just like being inflammatory. Okay. <laughs> They're not on there because they suck. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. I mean, when these lists come out. Uh, you, you, lists are made they're to made be to, discussions. Yes, yeah. People are supposed to disagree with lists. Right. Yeah, it's it's really rare. I've seen them on occasion. Not a, not. I don't know if I've ever seen a beer related one, but I've seen occasion lists where a lot of people kind of agree with them. <laughs> there is, right. it, it doesn't happen often, but there are lists where people do like, oh yeah, there's sort of a cultural relevance to the list. There is very few people where I would want to read like beer writers, beer like if. if um, the beer, uh, what's his name, Jeff? The guy that, on Twitter, the beer geek, right? I mean, he's been to like twenty five hundred breweries, okay, all over the country, all over the world. I want to see his list of yeah. fifty best beers. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want a list of some thrillist guy writing a list yeah. of fifty best beers, right. and I don't want a, a crowdsourced yeah. voting popularity contest list of fifty best beers. I want someone who has put in the miles and has put it and tasted the beers to give me his list. Right, because what's going to happen is you're going to disagree with some of them and you're going to totally agree with some of them. Right. Right. I mean, there's going to be some that are like, oh, I didn't like that, and he did. And there's going to be some that are like, yeah, we both agree. This is a great beer. Like, if I were, if I were putting a list of, of... If you don't have the experience to make a list, you know, like, mm-hmm. so many of these lists are regionally biased. And sure, not everyone has an unlimited budget to go travel and make sure that they're nationally balanced on their list. But you know, you can tell when you read so many lists, like where the author lives. I mean, if I, if I was just doing um, like trendsetters, mm-hmm. uh, I would put like Westbrook Goza on there. I, I would put interesting. I would put Gumblehead on there. Right? I, I would put things that you know that made their mark in very interesting ways, mm-hmm. not just. <laughs> 40 IPAs. 
they're all variously slightly different. Yeah. It would be in, like so you mentioned Westbrook Goza because I think you meant to say like he was patient zero of Goza mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty close. I don't know. I'd have to I want to do the research a little bit more. But yeah, I mean that's it, that's, that, that's the one that got popular, right? That's, that's, a, that's in, well, I don't. I, I don't there, know. There, there could be some question about that, but yeah. But but no. What I'm saying is, gave me the idea of is I, I'd like to check out like an article or about patient zero of certain styles. What did you break yours? Yes, I did. Are you blo- <laughs> that's from the pre-show. Greg has a glowy bracelet and it just <laughs> popped, and now he's looks like the predator, bleeding. Cool. Do you I'm need fine. a pause? No, I'm fine. Okay. Um, but. I think that'd be cool to like kind of do the uh, forensics to find out like what was the first tropical IPA, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like the the guys that spawned new substyles or revived. Like we know that and, and we know that Who Garden brought back Whip Beer, right? Yes, yeah, you know that's an easy one. Now, who was which beer brought back Goza? Right? Was it Westbrook? Was it somebody mm-hmm. else? And then the question is, who was the first and who was the one that brought it back? Right. Because I mean, the first necessarily isn't the person who brought it back into public right. consciousness. Marconi didn't actually invent radio, but he's the one who gets right. credited for it. Right. And is there a distinction? On some level, there really isn't. Right? I mean, there is on a very historical minutia level, but then... Right. If six people were drinking Goza at a brew pub in, you know... Somewhere, yeah. I was trying to think of a general name for some place really small, but I couldn't think of one that wasn't offensive. So <laughs> I'm not going to say one. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting. Rear that- fornication. <laughs> there, you- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, how's that compared to the first one that actually broke? That broke the style, right? That, that, that like, yeah. like, whoa, this is Goza, and then everyone started making Goza because of that person, and whether they were the first or not. I mean, there's definitely been a a trend away from uh, Berliner Weiss to Goza, because yeah. Goza is the the salt and other stuff gives more oomph to it, right? People yeah. were doing sours, they were doing Berliner Weisses, and then Gozas came along. It's like, oh. It's an easier. Yeah. It's a. It's a better. Whether whether it's easier or not, I don't know. But it's the same type of souring. Well, it's a better sell, right? Yeah, and it and it has it has a much more punchier flavor because of the salt. I like them both. I don't. I, want, I like them both. Too. I, I don't want one to go away because of the. No, other. but I think that there's there's a trend towards goes in away from for the for mm-hmm. the easy for the so called easy sours. I wouldn't necessarily they're they're easy to make just because they're not, not super simple, but it's easier than. Like a fodder sour, like a fooder sour. It just gave me a really good idea. We need to go to a local beer fest or something and screw the beers. I want to go talk to the people. Okay. I want to ask some questions like, goes there a blender vice? You know, like, like these little, like, just like, just give them really quick, like, decision, the AB type things and, uh, and kind of like compile, like, what the, uh, with the group consensus the group of mind things. Is the hive mind. Interesting. Um, I would definitely. I would like to see if Berliner is like definitely like on the way out, and, yeah. and why? Yeah. So you're not talking about the the, the crowd. You're talking about the people who are the brewers, the brewers themselves. Uh, actually, I was I was talking about the crowd. I was oh, talking the about the 
The demand, the market. Okay. Because so, goes is the hotness, and what do they, the same people think about Berliner? Yeah. You know? how, I mean, how much in in a traditional beer fest are you going to find people who even know? Well, that's not the only question, but I mean, a whole line of questions, kind of just to yeah. feel out the market, which way the winds are blowing. Yeah. In the I mean, like if if you ask people about specific hops, there's not going to be many people who are going to be able to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Just. Uh, I mean, even me five years ago wouldn't have been able to answer the question. Now I can, right. but uh, I was relatively knowledgeable five years ago, and I wouldn't have been able to answer oh, sure. the question. So you, you're still talking about a, a small percentage of a small percentage of a small percentage of a population. No, but no, I, I agree. But I, mean, I think we could come up with questions. I like this yeah. idea because I kind of want to survey All right, well, people. when's the next beer fest? I don't know. We'll have to figure that yeah. one out. All right. And then, like, I'd be happy with just with like, walking with the clipboard and getting, taking down, telling down the notes. <laughs> So that was the Anderson Valley of <laughs> Goza. Uh, Briny Melon Goza, which I liked. Uh, now we're moving on to Harpoon. Harpoon Brewery is Camp Wanamango. Camp Wanamango. Mango. Pale Ale, 5% knocked by volume, 22 IBUs. I'm looking for other information. And I just don't see much of it. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Contains mango puree. There we go. I was looking for, like, is it mango? Or is it, like, just they think it has the essence of mango? Because you never can tell unless they tell you. Whoa, I wonder if they had to change. Hmm? Oh, I think they maybe. So there's like a strikeout on this label, and I wondered right. if like they had to like not infer. Let's see. So you know it's summer here when the brewery doors open, doors are open wide, blah, blah, blah. Malted hop aromas free to mingle with the summer breeze. Sun-kissed tanks glow. Sun-kissed tanks glow is striked out. Then it says, forget it, beer please. So I, I guess that's just them. It, it's it's sort of them like oh we're getting too pretty you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's them uh, hanging a lantern on on themselves right 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 we're not going to do marketing speak yeah we're going to strike this out all right, all right. I, I can get being meta you you're you're hitting I mean <laughs> I got a big target on my face I'm very <laughs> responsive to meta things so, so I'm fine with it yeah mango definitely comes through in the aroma this uh, the color is a we didn't talk about the color of the last beer which is more sort of pilsnery uh this is uh another golden light bronze copper, yeah, yeah. Light bronze like bronze yeah because copper darker right so yeah like bronze mm-hmm. there's a big fruity flavor on this um it kind of reminds me along the lines of the apricot that we you know had in the alcabong and actually the malt kind of reminds me of alcabong too it seems very similar uh Knowing that it's mango, I can smell things that are a little more... Um, can I smell yours? I'm sure. curious. I did pour them back and forth. We should have the same thing. I mean, I didn't... Yeah, we did. I'm surprised you're not smelling as, like... Uh, to me, it's like a very strong mango and passion fruit. That I'm not really getting much malt. Hmm. Oh, different noses. I can't smell anything that's reminding me of passion fruit. I mean, the mango is there too, but I'm, it's kind of a multi mango. It's kind of apricotty. That does smell a lot like the alcabong without the peppers. 
You can taste the mango. It's pretty wheat-like in the flavor. You know, it's kind of... Yeah, there's there's not much else going on to me besides It's really the dry. Yeah. Like, it dries out my mouth. Compared to the rest of the stuff, there's just kind of a mango and a kind of light mm-hmm. uh, toasted bread, toasted white bread maltiness in the background, and that's kind of all you're getting. What's that sound? That means things and stuff. Well, if you're gonna, if you're interested in things and stuff, then the best place to go, the get blessed the, place to, to get go the things and stuff is uh, Amazon.com. But, but do not go to Amazon.com. It's that's evil. What we're telling you, don't go to Amazon.com. It's totally evil. What you do is you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And it's it's not evil. It's not evil. It suddenly it turns into very very good, like heavenly, because we get six percent of what you buy, uh, or you, we get six percent of the currency you put into it, <laughs> and uh, and the price remains the same on everything you buy. And so you're helping support us to make new shows, make more craft beer radio, go to various uh, beer fests and ask people interesting questions. And collect surveys, uh, and at the same time, you're getting stuff and yes, things and things. Yes, craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen to that Hamilton Hamilton soundtrack because it's really good. Back to the harpoon, Camp Wanamango. This one's the one that doesn't kind of have all the harmonies in place right it's kind of just like hey here's a mango beer yeah this is this is your lawnmower beer of the night right this is the one where it's like okay so we'll, we'll throw a mango in, into a very light malt uh beer and and throw that out there this feels like chasing trends yeah it does mm-hmm. uh so not uh not looking good for one of mango in terms of a ranking. No. This is all the other beers were... On the other hand, I'm not pouring it out. We don't have a dump bucket here. It's a dump bucket. It's not in the room. <laughs> That's part of the reason why we're not pouring it out. But it's also only 5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not um, ridiculous in terms of its yeah. what it's asking for in terms of our sobriety. So. If you just want a decent beer with a little bit of a mango, mm. you, can, you can do better. You can do better. You can do better. Yeah, this is... Well, it doesn't taste like extract and syrup. It, tastes, it does taste a lot like an old mm-hmm. style. Yeah, it, it tastes beer. like... Yeah, it t- tastes like the old version of... Okay, we'll throw a mango in here. We'll throw a fresh mango in here so it's not going to taste medicine-y. But it still just tastes like... You put two things together and they aren't jiving. Because uh-huh. people who don't like beer will drink this. Mm-hmm. So, do you want a mango? No. Next. Flying Dog. Tropical Bitch. So, of course, Raging Bitch is their Belgian-style IPA. This is a their uh, Raging Bitch with... Pineapple. And mango? Mango and passion, passion fruit, fruit flavors added. Now, when they say flavors added, does that mean that it's concentrates or chemicals? 
Uh, I mean, everything's chemicals, right? But it, are they saying natural or artificial flavors added? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, so we li- I listened to the Flying Dog um, Pepper uh, Salon, okay, that you and Nick provided to the world, and well, Craft Beer Radio <laughs> and the Brewers Association right. has provided yes. to yes. the world. But I was just a spectator. I get yes. that. I learned what it was like to be a listener, and only a listener. <laughs> well, you also put together the files, so you had a little bit of a say in it. Yeah. Uh, Flying Dog, like, you know, they do large batches. They like consistency. So purees and things like that mm. are generally what they use. I, I don't, They didn't talk specifically about um, Tropical Bitch, but from what I did hear Matt and those guys talk about, I'm guessing, you know, that's kind of their modus operandi for the brewery and this is probably a puree of pineapple mango passion fruit especially malts pale or sorry they, they uh the malts that are used uh let's well, say it's just specialty malts pale malt and caramel malt hops warrior galaxy yay galaxy and amarillo uh belgian yeast 55 ibus eight percent alcohol by volume a yeah, approaching bronze, copper approaching bronze. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm with you. Moderately cloudy. The aroma is really interesting to me. It's um, kind of a, a the hops aren't as bright and strong as I'm used to in Raging Bitch. Um, it smells a little more saisonny to me on the nose. I haven't tasted this yet, but I'm mm-hmm. interested in, in what's on their website because in their food pairing they have a what I assume is a sex metaphor. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, give this beer a whirl with a spicy Mexican, and you'll never go back to a mango margarita again. That's a food pairing. I think what they're saying is when you're ordering Mexican food, uh-huh. you know, you don't need to order right. your yeah. mango ice. But the way the, the way it's phrased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is Salma Hayek or something like that. I mean, that that's what I'm getting. Or Sofia yeah. Vergara, I suppose, would be the, the, the model. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I saw an article where, so Flying Dog, uh, Raging Bitch, couldn't go into Michigan for a while because of the board who had to approve labels. Right. was like, no way, that's obscene. But they kept changing the reason. Like, every time they went to court, like, why? So, like, they actually got, that was the reason it got passed, pushed through in the courts. Flying Dog is suing Michigan now for the lost revenue <laughs> for the time that they held up the beer. Oh, how, how do you prove that? How do you prove lost revenue? I mean, now that they have revenue, they can just kind of yeah, work it backwards. Yeah, I guess you, you you get big enough and you start to have all these other options to make money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, so mostly a, a, an interesting aroma that does have some passion fruit and mango uh, aspects to it. Flavor, the first thing I really notice is kind of the maltiness. It kind of has more of a double type character to it. 
you know, more malty breadiness. Kind it's of the like, yeast, really, I think, that, that are that are pulling me in. That's the first okay. thing I notice is is the the way, just like Raging Bitch, uh-huh. how the yeast really transformed that into something different, right? Uh, significantly different. Well, I mean, so where Raging Bitch is this um, hoppy triple mm-hmm. type beer, this is kind of a fruity double type beer, right? So this isn't Raging Bitch with fruit added. Yeah. This is a different Belgian, but it's not—it's not a double. It have a, it, it's more of a strong. It doesn't have those deep malty characters. Well, see, I'm getting some of those malty characters. I mean, really? yeah, I yeah. am. All right, it definitely doesn't look like a double. Right? It doesn't have the the deeper darkness that I would normally associate with it. With a double, it doesn't to me have the same kind of melanoidin. Um, I mean, I'm kind of thinking something that's kind of like. Um, Trying to think of which one, Westmalla double or something like that. You know, yeah, I think that's the right, one well, I'm thinking of. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is fruit, and there's a reason we haven't mentioned fruit because it's not super apparent. It's there, but it's not super fruity like yeah. some of these other beers. Uh, but I, like I said, this is kind of a double. The, the reason this isn't a straight up double is because of some of the fruit flavors that are coming out right. of it to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying this is a prototypical award winning Belgian Abbey double. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying th- there's, it, there's aspects that are pulling you in that yes, direction. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And mostly contrasting this against Raging Bitch, mm-hmm. this is double esque yeah. as opposed to Raging Bitch's triple esque. I, I see where like you're coming that. from. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. In terms of, of using fruit in beer, uh, which has sort of been the highlight of, of, of the show, this isn't a very good example. Not because it's not using its fruit necessarily well, it's just because it's not really showing it off to to a, mm-hmm. to a large extent. But I don't think this is... Okay, so stop thinking about this as a fruit beer and start thinking about this as a, a hoppy Belgian or something like no, that. No, right? it, it's fine okay. like that. I'm, I'm just saying in the okay. context of the rest of the show where sure. we're pointing out... Uh, how how these well are using yeah well done fruits this uh, doesn't make that it do, doesn't fit in that context well it's not unwell done like maybe the harpoon for right? sure for sure you know, this is just the fruit even though the name is tropical bitch the label doesn't really the label at the very bottom has to tell you that fruit juices were added mm-hmm. right so that's what it does but there's really nothing else in the label inferring that this is to be a fruity beer the only thing that, that's emphasizing it is is really a cultural thing which is the color right the, the oh, pink pinkish gives you sort of a oh i mean it attracts the sort of grapefruit thing right yeah uh and i think that that's a cultural thing in terms of la- the way labels have evolved uh other than that i agree other than you know the fact that it says tropical on it definitely uh, the fact that it as pink, but yeah, other than that, there's nothing just to pull you in that says this is going to have fruit in it. So, I mean, for me, from here on out, I'm just going to be talking about this beer that has some fruit, but that is not the focus of the beer. And I think this beer is well put together for what it is. It's it's another pretty hoppy American. You know, it, it, it's it's a, it's a counterpart to Raging Bitch, mm-hmm. and. They made it a little more um, caramelly, and so it's you know akin to a double. Yeah, and yeah. they added the fruit to kind of round out right that think, flavor. Yeah, I and I really true. like it. I mean, I 
I, think, I, I shouldn't say I really like it, you know, for in the show. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how I want to save this. I really like this beer on its own. Yeah. Some of the beers tonight were really, really good, though. Uh, the way I would put it is this is... Um, this is this is not even a B story in the episode. This is like like if you're talking okay. about how you would construct a story, okay. And let's say you were constructing right. a story that has a A story, B story. They both would tend to resolve around a certain theme, okay. And this one doesn't. It is just not fitting. It's, it's just an incongruous part. If you were just building off of a story and and, and that theme, it's just sort of it right. kind of feels like an addition. It's it's a it's a little bit like uh, what was that cousin. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life, man. This isn't a story. Uh, I, I see everything as stories, so uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna interpret it in this way. But there's definitely like it's it's a it's a good beer. It and it has fruit in it. It doesn't play in terms of of the narrative and in terms of sort of the the flow of the beers we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't fit with that. I think the one thing we haven't talked about enough. So it's a flight issue for me. Almost. Right. I think the one thing we haven't talked about enough about this beer. Is is the hops? So there's a f- moderate amount of hops mm-hmm. there. Yeah, it, the bitterness really balances the beer out. It sticks with you for a bit. The flavors. I'm going to dive back in here and see if I can pull out some hop flavors. But I think it's a more significant part to the beer than I've been noticing. You know, specifically. You said there's galaxy in this, right? Yes. So you think about galaxy, right? That's kind of also a very tropical mango passion fruit yep. type thing. Yep. Warrior, bitter, galaxy right. and amarillo. So you think of the galaxy as sort of a yeah. The amarillo is kind of keeping its head down, which is yeah. often a good thing, right? Right. You right. know, too much too much amarillo gets a little uh, litter boxy. But amarillo plays well mm-hmm. with others, right? As long as it keeps its head down. Yes. Right. No, this is this is uh, while it's not what I thought was going to be in the mm-hmm. bottle. I like the beer that they made. I think they put together a well done beer. Yeah, I, I do too. And but uh, it, it, just don't expect it to be a mango, passion fruit, pineapple beer. And uh, I know it, I'm not. Well, I mean, I'll say it right now. The fact that it's not following a story is going to affect it, its position in the rankings for me. For it, me, it makes it okay. For me, it makes it. It's more work to compute where it should end up. And, right. Well, and, and just like the universe, I tend towards the laziest option. <laughs> gotcha. All we right. still got one more beer. Look at yes. that. Uh, well, we, we saved, a, a, essentially, we expected a dessert beer. We saved it for last. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're going to finish on, we mentioned before, Amagang Rosetta. So this is a, they call it traditional Belgian Creek. Uh,. They say it's blended by their sister brewery, Leafman's. Yeah. So, um, let's see if I can recall the story. Learned about this when I was up there for the the beer and breakfast thing. Or the bed and beer. Whatever it was. Um, (laughs) Bed and beer, I think is what they call it. Bed and brewery. It was a bed and breakfast and a beer tour up in Cooperstown. Good time. But they talked about this. And, yeah, Leafman's is... um, Part of of the family, and because that gang's owned by um, uh, Brasserie Dupont. No, no, it's um, no shit. <laughs> I shouldn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you threw me off. I'm like, I can't remember. It's uh, Duval Morgan. Duval. 
Certainty. Yeah. Brewed and bottled by Leafman's. Okay, so yeah, I was trying to remember what uh, Omegang had in, or had their hands on in this, but yeah, this is kind of... So the the whole family does a bunch of stuff like this, right? Uh Omegang has an IPA now, made a boulevard. Yeah. That one that I did uh, had on the show, or the one that I had on and talked about on Twitter, and then we mentioned on the show the single hopped um, uh, Motuika, almost certainly dead at Boulevard, mm-hmm. or maybe even Firestone Walker. Possibly, I didn't look into it, but I would be shocked if it was made in Cooperstown, New York. Right? It was probably made at one of the sister breweries, and, and these guys do this a lot. I mean, Omega is making beers for Boulevard. Yeah, and when you Firestone Walker's still the the newest part, so I don't have any firsthand knowledge of any uh, sharing from Firestone Walker, but well, you know, I it mean, will be there. When you think about it, in terms of an overall business strategy, it makes sense. We're used to beers coming out of one brewery or two breweries, but mm-hmm. like here, I have in front of me my iPhone. This did not come out of uh, Cupertino. Right? This was built in various mm-hmm. places and then added together and then sure. shipped over. So that's. But, I mean, you would expect that as things get bigger, as things get sort of more diversified, you will get these things right. coming in that will have a brand associated with it. But I mean, yeah. I mean, if I want Duval Morgat USA to make hoppy beer, do I want it to come from the brewery that's in Cooperstown, New York? Or do I want it to come from the one in Paso Robles, California? I want it to come from the one in Paso Robles, California. Uh, Why? Because Firestone Walker's known for making really good hoppy beers. That doesn't it? mean that they're... The, the, and the, the brewery in Omegang set up for making Belgian things, right? I mean, yeah, the, that, the that's, brewers, the, that's the issue. The brewery is set up, the brewers have mm-hmm. the knowledge, their expertise is in making right. Belgian style beers. Right. The glass in my iPhone does not come from the same place that puts together right. the, the microchips. Right, right. And Firestone Walker makes a variety mm-hmm. of beers that are very wine influenced too, but, you know, they make Pivo, they make Double Barrel, they make. Uh, Union Jack, yeah. yeah, and then you got Boulevard, who has kind of this mix. They make the IPAs, they make Belgian Seven, beers. as we talked about earlier. Yeah. So yeah, okay, five point six percent alcohol by volume, and, uh, and and we got Leafman's, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> you got. So you got all that expertise in lambics and other stuff. So we should have saved this. We should have got a Leafman's Creek, and we should have done them side by side. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. Oh well. Definitely. Okay, so the color is a very, very, very dark red, bordering on brown, super dark brown, uh, and cherries. Yeah, the aroma's kind of closed off. I mean, it's not big and sour. There are some cherries in the aroma, some maltiness. The tartness really doesn't come out in the aroma too much. Mostly the malt, kind of a bread, uh, cocoa. Mm hmm. But it's a really nice sweet tart. And yes, I don't want to compare it to sweet tarts, the the little candy that, that you always threw away at Halloween. Mm-hmm. But there is some some aspect of that going on where uh, there's a good amount of sweetness mm-hmm. to match the tartness. Um, yeah, this is different than your straight up creek. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if we've got a Leafman's Creek, it would be drier. Yeah. This one has kind of cherry pie filling type sweetness to it it's not exactly cherry pie filling but i mean let's start there let's use that as our bench as our you know mile marker and and it, it it's 
it's not a bad mile marker because mm-hmm. it's it, you know it's, it's it's in the range. Yeah. Okay, so with that, add a little bit of chocolate to that. Add a little bit of so, so a little bit of, of some extra maltiness too. Slightly different character than the chocolate. You know, need to add a lot of acidity. Mm-hmm. How about let me throw some orange zest in there? Yes, for sure. Maybe lemon zest. It would work the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you you could you. I mean, I could see a, a, a sort of caramelization, like a creme brulee mm-hmm. thing on top of there. There's a. I'm getting some tobacco, but it's so light, and that's that's not what they yeah. want in there. This because like this beer is made to appeal, yeah, to not creek drinkers. Yeah, no, this I, meal, I think it's a, you're pulling it out because it's yeah. it's there, but it's minor, and yeah, you're, you're pulling it out because you're trained to, to pull yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's not like I don't think that Omegang or Leafman's mm-hmm. wants me saying that there's a tobacco note in this beer because it you can it's clearly not. The direction they want this to go, they want this to be much more um, uh, accessible. Accessible, yes. At five point six percent, it's relatively light on on the in terms of the viscosity, uh, and it does have a very good drinkability to mm-hmm. it, which kind of belies the nature of a three hundred thirty milliliter bottle uh, because it's going to go quick. Keeping the price point down, yeah. In the little baby bottle. Mm-hmm. I guess this one is... Oh, it's best before November of 2020. So we got it. <laughs> Not expired yet. We got it in time. <laughs> it's only four years away, but because that's the first time I've seen 2020 on mm-hmm. a label, it seems like the future. Yeah. Like the deep future. In the year 2020. Yes. That's what it felt like when I saw it. Because it's the first time. But, you know, from here on out, it'll seem just like it's four years away. Yes. After the first four years of the Trump presidency. (laughs) (laughs) You want to get on to the ranking? It's so gross. Okay. Okay. Uh (laughs) All right. So we drank a lot of fruit tonight. (laughs) We did. Happy Father's Day, everybody, by the way. Yes, enjoy your Father's Day. Have a great one. Have a great one. Sire some more children while you're at it. Jeez, it's really getting very sexual on the subject. I guess you add fruit to it and it just goes... <laughs> you go. it's, all the passions are inflamed. I mean, for me, it's an easy last place. That's the Cap Wana, Camp Wana Mango from Harpoon. It... While it didn't taste like medicine syrup, it it did taste like, you know, they kind of just shot that one out. They just like, let's do a mango <laughs> beer. What do you got? Okay, they brown noted it. You would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they just put it out there like here. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and then you know the rest. The other five beers were stout beers. They were really competitive. Um, I am going to put. This is tough, 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 tough. I think I'll put the Rosetta in fifth place. I like this beer. Uh, it has a good tartness to it, good chocolate cherry type note to it. It is a little on the sweet side for me, right? Yeah. They, they're aiming for accessibility, and 
to its detriment, it loses some of the complex ability. You know, we still have some Lafali in the fridge from last week. And, you know, that one didn't shy away from complexity for sellability. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the Rosetta did a little bit. Now, this is not saying Rosetta's a shitty cough syrupy type beer. It's a good beer. It's just not mm-hmm. a super complex Belgian Creek. Yeah, I, I think that's a... Everything other than the harpoon had lots of merit behind it. Um, you know, we take we talk about this often. How something you know the rankings are gimmick. Sometimes there are clear losers, like in this case, the harpoon, and then there are right. various degrees of winners. And Amagang right. is up there, but it's just mm-hmm. the other things had more interesting stuff to us today. I'm going to put the Vapricot in fourth place. This one was a good beer. It was interesting. I so is it Vapricot or Vapricot? Vapricot, probably. But I mean, it's the apricot, apricot. Yes. Right? It's the tomato, tomato. Well, there's no vapping. No one says you don't, tomato. You don't, That's the thing. No one says tomato. And no one vaps. No one vape. vaps. So, Well, <laughs> I'm sure in the future somebody might vap. <laughs> in the post show, I'll talk about what I think vapping is. I, I uh, imagine it has to do with the you just replace a letter in the front. <laughs> Uh, so, the, so the the vapricot it had um, that smokiness you mentioned. The fruit was a little on the light side. The ginger stood out. The ginger yeah. was the neat part about yeah. that beer, right? And uh, it was a long time ago, so that's about all I remember there. In third place, I'm gonna do the tropical bitch. I like this beer a lot, um, probably more than Greg did. Uh, while it wasn't a fruit beer, it was a beer that used fruit to help round it out. I really liked how it is a counterpart to Raging Bitch. Mm-hmm. I thought they really worked well together. And I liked the kind of um, contrastingness of the two beers. And and I didn't mention this when we were reviewing it, but as I got into it and really could dig into the yeast, it really seemed like it's the same yeast. And there was a lot of the same profile there that was shared amongst the two. And it kind of showed how the beer could diverge into two different directions. Mm-hmm. So I think that beer is definitely worth checking out. And then ahead of it, I'm going to put the Anderson Valley um, Barney Mellon goes in second place. Goes in second place. I like this beer. It had a significant amount of tartness to it. The salt was really bringing out the flavors. And the watermelon, I think they nailed watermelon in this one. This is no watermelon Dorado. Yeah. This is really good use of watermelon. And um, first place, I'm going to put that Duke El Cabong. I thought they really nailed the use of the peppers, the apricots. It had, um, let me think about that one. That one had kind of a coconut to Excuse me, coconut to it as well. And I had that beer on draft a couple weeks ago, and different beer completely. So I don't know how consistent it is. I don't know if bottles are better than draft, but this, this bottle, was a good bottle, this bottle was real good. All right. Um, sometimes we say there are no hard luck losers, or, or, or there are hard luck losers. This was a this one's a loser. This is a born loser. Uh, Harpoon in number six. Um, yeah, there are better mango beers out there. Uh, you're gonna get you're. You're going to find... There are better beers out there, period, and I just wouldn't recommend this beer. Now we get on to the area where, because they're all varying degrees, we can use any subjective measurement we want. And, right. f- and for me, I like using the story. Because sure. I just... It, 
It feels natural to me. So that's why the flying dog is in fifth place here. Not because it was bad by any stretch of the imagination. It didn't just it just didn't fit with the narrative that was going on through the show that that was kind of strong throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sort of incongruity ma- makes it hit in last place. But uh, I mean, if you see it, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, number four, I'm going to put this Rosetta that we have still in our classes as number four. Uh, like Jeff said, I think it's a little too sweet. Um, and I think that would mean it would be a good beer to introduce people to sort of refer to your side and stuff like that, people who are not used to beer. It would work in Yeah, it's a good sour probably, gateway. Yeah, probably more than uh, like a, a framboise, which, you know, Lindemann's framboise, I think what you might say is, is like way too... It doesn't give enough of an idea of what's out there. This gives more of an idea. Yeah, I think you're right, right? Because Lindemann's framboise isn't quite sour enough. Yeah, right. This one's sour, but... Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it's a good place yeah. to consider it. Uh, and then, so the, here it, it, it gets even more tough. Here, I'm going to put the terrapin. You convinced me to switch the terrapin to the Anderson Valley. I'm going to put the terrapin in third place because while I did, I really did like it. And we started the show out with nine percent. I hit it really well. Like the ginger. Um, I think you're right that the Anderson Valley was a little more subtle in, in, in its usage, and uh, also the Anderson Valley was, or the, the Terrapin was just a little confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Anderson Valley, yeah, I think it, they really did a great job with, with bringing out that watermelon flavor without overdoing it, which is a, a major problem. <laughs> you can Because, in a sense, we know what watermelon tastes like, and it is kind of a transient flavor. It goes away relatively quickly. Uh, it would get annoying if it didn't. <laughs> Um, like Dorado, like watermelon Dorado, or like a watermelon Jolly Rancher, or like any of those things. Mm-hmm. That it feels chemically, and this does not feel chemi- chemically at all. You get a flavor, and it goes away. And like we said, the underneath goes is is, is still a very good goza, mm-hmm. even without the watermelon. The watermelon just adds to it; it just enhances it. And the best part, no pun in the name. Yeah, no pun. Brownie melon goza is not using goes as goes. Goes away or goes a no pun. We'll fix that next. Goes week. a little something like this. We're gonna we're gonna fix that next week though because there's a goes a pun coming up okay. next week. Uh, and number one beer, just like Jeff, I think the Duclaw. I mean, like I said, I smiled the first time I tasted that, uh, and I hadn't tasted anything like that before. I I legitimately, I mean, it it, it wasn't like it was. A totally new experience to me, but it was like, oh, here's something new, uh, and that that's a rare enough experience that it definitely deserves number one, uh, and it was very good at the same time. So, uh, yeah, great, and that is the remains of our fruit show. And here we go to the end where Jeff is. There we go. I just wanted you to keep talking. I know. I, got the- I know. I'm just, I'm adding the listener to Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information on that. If you want to contact us, Twitter's the best way, at Craft Beer Radio, at Jeff Bear, at CBR Greg. It's okay. Uh, email beer at craftbeerradio.com. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next Talk to you next time And the world's gonna know your name What's your name man? Alexander Hamilton
My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you wait